You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Luke 24 is where we'll, we'll be in the, in the Word of God. Luke chapter 24. To introduce the text, uh, I, I want to say just a few words about what was happening right around this time in the Word of God. After the crucifixion of Jesus, there was intense emotion from different sectors of people in the community. You see, Jesus had been crucified, and it was, it was national headlines the next day. They, everyone knew about this execution. Jesus of Nazareth had just been crucified, and everybody had an opinion about this homeless prophet from Galilee. And it was different. There was people who were somewhat glad that he died. They were glad the pressure was off. I mean, there had been a lot of pressure over the past three years. In fact, maybe they could have a normal Passover like they used to because this revolutionary had been stirring up so much controversy in their minds and against the religious leaders of that day. And so they were glad it was finally over and he was dead. But there were others that did not feel that way. Many were feeling intense grief and sorrow as a result of his crucifixion. Not so much grief as you might feel towards someone like a family member who, who, who had died, but a hero. He was their national hero. He was someone who they had believed would be the Messiah. They had put all their hopes, they believed, they trusted that he was the coming deliverer who would free them from Roman domination. But the object of their hope had been lifted up on a cross and crucified by the very Roman Empire that they thought he came to destroy. He was placed in a tomb, and as far as the mourners knew, he was still there. He was still there. There was no bringing him back. All hope was gone, and he was dead, and they, they were devastated. They were in shock. And then on that third day, rumors begin to circulate. On the third day, the stories began to circulate, and some said that his body was not where they had laid it. Others said that he had risen from the dead. People began reporting this. In fact, 10 reports in all, five in one day. And so on that first early Easter morning, he appeared to Mary Magdalene. Later, he appeared to the woman uh, who were returning from the tomb. Soon after that, he showed himself to 10 of the disciples in, in the upper room, and then to Peter all by himself, and then the fifth account, the fifth time, that he showed himself was the one that I want to talk about this morning. In Luke chapter 24, Jesus appeared to two men who were traveling on a journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They were going home. A two-hour journey, slightly about seven miles, the Scripture tells us very specifically. And if you've never walked seven miles, maybe you should try that today. It's longer than you think. Those two men were the disciples of Jesus among the greater group of disciples. Not the 12, but probably the 70. They were unknown men. In fact, we know one man's name was Cleopas, 
And the other, we don't even know his name, which is somewhat shocking. You would think that Jesus would have the greatest conversation he's ever had about the resurrection, the most detailed conversation in all of the Word of God about the resurrection of Jesus was had with two men that were virtually unknown. They were very, very sad. Although they had heard the witness from the woman who returned from the tomb, they had not believed it. They lost all hope. And maybe they were just taking this trip back home because they were trying to clear their minds. I don't know exactly why they did it. Maybe they were just, you know, let's go start over. I mean, we put all our hopes in this. It failed. He's dead. It didn't work out. And they were just looking for some new direction. That's from the human perspective. But God had a different plan. God had a different purpose in mind. They would meet a mysterious stranger on that seven-mile journey, and they would never be the same again. By the way, that's my testimony. When I met Jesus, I've never been the same since the day I met Jesus. And that would be their testimony as well. Jesus had a discussion with these men about the resurrection, and there's more details to the discussion about the resurrection that he had with these two men than in any other place in Scripture. It is such a profound conversation that he had with these two men that it is worth recognizing on this Easter morning. The story in Luke chapter 24 may be the most dramatic story. It might be the most dramatic story in all of the Bible. And it's put together somewhat like a play. In fact, that's how I'm going to present it this morning. The three acts of the great discussion about the resurrection in Luke chapter 24. The first act has to do with two men who are having a walk and they're very discouraged. The second act is when Jesus enters into the scene and the three men then have a walk and they discuss the resurrection. And then the third act is when they actually get into one of their homes and their lives are forever changed Because they discovered the one whom they had been talking to was Jesus. Number one, let's just talk about act one. Two men walking who are very, very discouraged. You know, discouragement shows itself up in a lot of ways. There might be somebody here this morning who's come to church and you're somewhat discouraged. In fact, the energy of the, of the service still hasn't really connected with you as to what the hype is all about. I mean, Easter to you is about a story, and maybe you know something about that story, but it's been a while since you've been in church, and we're glad you're here, and we, wanna, we want you to understand what we're celebrating. But sometimes life can get somewhat discouraging when things don't turn out the way we think they should. And discouragement had set in with these men, and oftentimes discouragement causes things like doubt, disappointment, and despair. And I think their journey began with doubt. They just had heard the testimony of the woman, but they did not believe that Jesus was alive. And their doubt led to disappointment. In fact, in Luke chapter 24 and verse 21, it describes their disappointment. It says, but we had hoped, we had hoped that he was the one who would redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since all these things happened. Do you see their disappointment, their doubt? I mean, they had put all of their future hopes, and Jesus was crucified. And then their disappointment turned to despair. All hope was gone. Three days had passed since the crucifixion, and they're walking on this Emmaus road, and they were so overwhelmed with doubt and so overwhelmed with disappointment and despair. No doubt they were disillusioned as well by all of the events that had taken place. 
And so that's act one. Two men walking, very discouraged. And the plot thickens. Act two. Three men have a conversation. Look at Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse number 15. It begins with this. While they were talking and discussing together, notice the stranger enters into the picture, and it's Jesus. Jesus, the Bible says, draws near and went with them. I'm imagining in my mind, I'm kind of an imaginative person. I'm trying to imagine how Jesus would have shown up. I'm thinking later on in the story, he vanished. Maybe he just appeared and just started walking with them out of nowhere. And the Bible says here, he drew near, went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing. Now, pay attention here. Cleopas and his friend were discussing how their hopes had been destroyed by Jesus' crucifixion. And at that very moment, Jesus shows up. Don't miss this. He shows up in their greatest disappointment. I wonder how often Jesus has showed up to you in a time of great disappointment or doubt or despair. He shows up. And the topic of their discussion is that Jesus died and that he had been crucified and he joins them on the road. And then Jesus begins to speak in Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse number 17. And they did not know who he was. And he says to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? Now, remember this about questions. Jesus knew the answer to every question he ever asked. Amen. I don't know the answer to a lot of questions. So, It's a pretty good technique when you're asked a question you don't understand, just ask another question, right? But Jesus knows the answer to every question that he asks, and he asks this question, what what conversation are are you having? And the Bible says they stood still. They looked so sad. They were just disappointed. They They were crushed. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened in these days? This story is is just dripping with irony. And he says to them, what things are you talking about? Jesus says that. Well, what things? And they say, concerning Jesus of Nazareth. So they say to Jesus, concerning Jesus, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death. They crucified him. We had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happen. Basically, Cleopas accuses Jesus of being a clueless outsider who missed what had just taken place in Jerusalem. Just clueless. I mean, don't you you know what happened? This is what human blindness must look like from, from God's perspective. And then they go on to say in Luke chapter 24, as they begin to tell Jesus what they believed about Jesus, still unaware they were talking to Jesus. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those were with us, went to the tomb, found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. So you can see, they're still doubting it. They confessed he was a prophet, which is good. They confessed that he had done mighty miracles and incredible works, which is even better. They described his suffering and his crucifixion and their hope that he was their redeemer. But what did they not process? The one thing that was the most important thing, and that was this, that Jesus had risen from the dead. It's the one thing that they did not confess. The most important thing. 
And I think it would be very fitting for me to say this right now on this Resurrection Sunday, that it's possible to be a Christian and not understand the resurrection, but it is not possible to be a Christian and deny the resurrection. Because without the resurrection, there is no Christianity. That's why this is such a big deal. This is why this means so much to those of us who have believed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the way, that he is the truth, and that he is the life. And though, yes, he did die, and he was buried, but to prove that he was God, he rose again on that third day. And what sets Christianity apart from every other belief system, from every other religion, is this, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He's alive. He came out of that tomb under his own power. He was resurrected and he is alive today. Right now, 2,000 years after it happened, he is alive. And do you know what Paul says? If that is not true, if what we believe is not true, then 2 Corinthians chapter number 15 and verse 17 says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. That's how important this is. If it's not true, and our faith is in vain, it's worthless, we're still in our sins. The resurrection is not just a nice story that we celebrate at Easter. It is the core value of the Christian faith. This is worth celebrating. This is what we're excited about. This, this is why we have the energy this morning. When you understand the resurrection, it's the one piece that changes your life forever. It's what sets us apart from everyone else. You don't have to understand the resurrection, but you can't deny it. Notice these two disciples believed everything but the essential thing. Sometimes we believe a lot of good things, and we, uh, you know, we, we can go to church, and, and we can have a, a belief in some of the things in Scripture, but there is something that's more essential than anything else, and that is why this is the most important day of the Christian year, it's called Easter, and it's the resurrection day. It's when we celebrate the most essential thing that we believe. They believe Jesus was a good man. There's a lot of people that believe Jesus is a good man. They believe that he was a prophet. There's others that believe he was a prophet. They believed he was a redeemer. They believed he was a miracle worker, but they did not believe that he did what he said he would do. Rise from the dead. And because they did not believe that, they were sad. They were disappointed. Finally, Jesus says in Luke 24 and verse 25, Jesus speaks up and he says to them, O foolish ones, and slow of hearts to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I love that. I mean, as the threesome is walking down the road and Jesus is preaching Jesus to them, when he finishes teaching and expounding the Old Testament scriptures, they come to this fork in the road. And if it wasn't a fork, it was like maybe some sort of a turnoff. And so they come to this turnoff, the threesome, Cleopas, the stranger, and the other stranger to them, who we know now is Jesus, right? They come to this turnoff, 
And the Bible says that Jesus begins to walk the other direction. Not the direction towards their home. And very interestingly enough, Jesus says, or rather it says in Luke 24 verse 28, that they draw near to the village to which they were going. He acted, Jesus acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us. Stay with us. Come into our house. Please. They don't know it's Jesus yet. They just know something is different. Please, we're enjoying this so much. We're learning so much. Obviously, something was different. Stay with us. Maybe they said more that Luke didn't write. Have dinner with us. I've got dinner ready. Please, stay with us. Now the final act. Act three. Two men make a discovery that changes their life forever. Let's begin reading in Luke 24, beginning at verse number 30. And they were about to make the greatest discovery. Here it is. When he was at the table with them, so they're at the house, Jesus took their invitation. They said, stay with us. Jesus said, sure. He goes with them to the house, and they're at the table, and Jesus takes bread. I think that's interesting. You know, normally when you're a guest at a house, and surely in, the, in this culture, guests would not take over like this. I mean, I, you know, when I'm invited into a home, I'm not going to say, okay, listen, here's what we're going to do. I mean, usually you wait for the host to say, hey, you know, let, let's eat or let's, let's pray or let's begin. But Jesus just completely takes over the situation, even though he was the guest. And the Bible says he takes the bread and he blesses it and he breaks it. And he gives it to them. And their eyes were open. And they see, as he opens his hands in the palm, there's a nail print. It's him. The one who we have been talking about is the one who we have been talking to. It's Jesus. He's in our house. He's sitting at our table. He, this is Jesus. And all of a sudden, the Bible says, he vanishes. Just like he came, he vanished. He left. And these men, the Bible says, all of a sudden, after he vanished, look at verse 32, it says, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? It is Jesus. No wonder our hearts burned within us as he opened to us the scriptures. Our eyes were opened. There's a lot of opening going on here. Notice the next thing that opened up is their mouths. Now they want to tell everybody. Look at verse 33. And they arose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. They found the 11, those that were gathered with them. They said, the Lord is risen indeed. He's appeared to Simon. And they were told what had happened on the road and how he's known to them in the breaking of the bread. What a change happens as these men. Remember now, they had walked seven miles, two hours, depressed. I'm sure that first walk was a lot different than the second seven miles. Because they turned around. Hey, I mentioned a moment ago, seven miles is a long way. Turn that seven into 14 miles. In one day, they turn around and walk seven miles back. But I can assure you, there was some energy on that second walk. They were walking with a, a, a dance in their step. They couldn't wait to get back. Can you imagine what they were? This is humble. They're not going to believe it. We saw him. We ate with him. We had a conversation with him. We know Jesus is alive. Their lives would never be the same. 
Because once you've met the risen Savior, everything in your life changes. If you don't know Jesus is alive, you are carrying the burden of your sin today. You're still carrying that burden. It's tough. Believe me, it is tough to carry the burden of guilt and shame and sin. But once you meet Jesus, everything you need, Jesus has. Everything you need, he has. He can take your sin, he can remove it. When he removes it, he replaces it with his righteousness. His life for your life. His death for your life. The greatest encouragement of your life the greatest encouragement of my life is to know the risen Christ. That's the greatest encouragement I can give you this morning. There is no greater news than to know the risen Savior is in your heart today. To know that he walks with you and he talks with you and he fellowships with you and he gives you the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is the same power inside of me this morning as I preach the word of God. That blows my mind. I want to give you some concluding thoughts this morning. And I want you to listen as I illustrate this conversation, this story, and how it applies to us this morning on this Resurrection Sunday. First of all, Jesus Christ always comes to us in our own situation. Notice in this story, he did not meet them in the synagogue. He didn't meet him in the temple. He, he, they did not set up an appointment with him to meet him. Uh, they, they did not uh, meet him in, in a situation that was staged. They met him in their situation. You know, I've been pastoring for 30 years, this church. 30 years. It's the only church I've ever pastored. And in 30 years, I've seen a lot of people meet Jesus. And it never ceases to amaze me how he meets them right where they are. For me, I was 13 years old. I was sitting in a chapel service with a bunch of folks I really didn't even know. I was a new kid in town. I'd been raised a Roman Catholic altar boy all my life, and so at that time in my life, I knew very little about the Scriptures. I just knew a lot about rules and religion. My parents had been divorced. My dad lived 500 miles away from where we live now. And to be honest, it, it was tough. It just was. It, was. it was odd. I didn't want to be where I was, and I didn't understand why I was there. And we were bitter against our mother for moving us away from our father. I mean, to be completely honest, as a 13-year-old boy, I was just confused. And Jesus met me that day. He came where I was. He used a preacher who preached the scriptures to me, just like Jesus opened to them the scriptures. This man named Glenn Riggs opened to me the scriptures. And as he preached the scriptures, I sat there as a 13-year-old boy. I remember sitting next to Tony Thomas, who's sitting in the service today. And we were sitting about that far back, Tony, about that place. And I was sitting third in the aisle. And I said, hey, man, can you move your legs? I've got to get out. And Tony, at 13 at the time, moved his legs enough for me to get out into the aisle. And I walked down the aisle, and I took that preacher by the hand. And I simply said, I need what you talked about this morning. I want that. We knelt right in front of the whole school. I didn't even know they were there anymore. It didn't matter to me. I had met Jesus, and my life was changed forever. And I got up. 
He told me Sunday, that was Friday. He told me Sunday they're baptizing. I said, I'm in. That's great. I said, what will your mom think? I said, well, I'm sure she'll be okay with it. It's, it's, it's good to get baptized. I got baptized Sunday. <laughs> Honestly, they told me church was three times a week, and I told them, well, that's less than I've been going because as a Catholic, I went every morning. I thought they were backslidden when I first got saved. <laughs> What's the matter with you guys? I, three times a week, we go seven. Seriously, that's true. I was so ready. You couldn't keep me away. My mom used to say, son, you're always at the church. I know, mom. It's awesome. I thought it was great. <laughs> because Jesus had changed my life. He met a, a boy right where he was. Just right where he was. He came into my life. And today, I'm 57 years old. It's been quite a while. A lot of hair ago. A, a, a lot of wrinkles ago. A lot of aging spots ago. But I want you to know, I'm not 13 anymore. But I'm just as excited that Jesus Christ changed me as I was then. This morning, Stacy stepped out in our own services. Ah, you probably don't know who Stacy is. It's okay. <laughs> but this morning, as we gave the invitation, she stepped out and she came and she said, Pastor, I've run for too long. Today, I want to accept your message and I want to invite Jesus into my life. And she got saved this morning. Jesus met her right where she is. Her daughter's in jail. She's got all kinds of heartache. She's been talking to me about it for weeks. And this morning, she says, I want Jesus to be my Savior. Friday night after the Good Friday service. See, Jesus will meet a 13-year-old where he's at. Jesus will meet a a single woman in church this morning where he's at. But he's also interested in meeting six-year-olds where they're at. After the Good Friday service, Lainey came up to me, and she said, Papa, my heart is broken. I'm just quoting her. My heart, it it hurts. Why does it hurt, Lainey? It just hurts. It hurts. Jesus died for me. It hurts. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I said, Lainey, let's go to my office. And we went to my office, and I sat her down on the couch, and I started talking to her about what we talked about Friday night, and I walked her through each one of those scenes, and we got to the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus, and we just got real honest about it. We talked about it, and she knew a lot, too. She was telling me what she had learned in kids' church and in Christian school and from her mom and daddy, and and, and, and then I said, well, Lainey, would you like to pray? We can can wait until your parents get home because they had a little appointment, and, and maybe we should. And she said, well, Papa, I can't wait. I'm ready. And I thought, well, I think Mo will be okay with this, you know, and Seuss. And so I said, well, Lainey, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Why don't you kneel here and and you pray? And I I, got to be honest, I haven't told her yet, but I recorded it. (laughs) It's so cute. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I know, Jesus, you you love me, and you died for me, and my heart is breaking this morning, tonight, and I want to be saved. And Jesus, come into my heart and save me. And what was so cool is when she prayed and got saved, she stood up. She goes, Papa, I've got to tell Dad. I've got to tell Mom. I've got to tell everybody. And she's been telling everybody since then because that's what happens when Jesus comes in. There's a change that takes place, and you want everybody to know. It doesn't matter if you're 6 or 60 this morning. Jesus wants to meet you where you are. 
I don't know what you brought in this morning to church. I don't know if somebody came in this morning, maybe like I was in church that 13, as a 13-year-old boy with a, going through a divorce, or maybe, you know, you, you've got some financial problems, or maybe there's some, some uh, physical things going on in your life, and you're wondering about eternity, and if I were to die, where would I spend eternity? If things don't work out the way that I think they will or should, where will I spend eternity? Jesus comes to you this morning just like he came to these men, discouraged, defeated, giving up, lost all hope, and he steps right into the picture and says, hey guys, what's up? What are you so sad about? What's going on? Jesus this morning comes right up to where you're at and says, why are you so sad? Let me tell you, let me tell you the good news of the gospel. And he sent me here to share this with you. Jesus wants to meet you right where you are. Number two, The second thing that I see in this story is that Jesus comes to them by revelation. Jesus preached Jesus from the Old Testament. Look look at the text again. I know we've read it once. Let's read it again. Luke chapter 24, verse 27. let Let me add this thought. Isn't it amazing how Jesus, think about that. Jesus could have just said, hey, I'm Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, the revelation is, I'm here. I'm alive. Jesus himself could have just said, look, just, just, I'm alive. I'm here. But even Jesus opened the scriptures and preached to them from the Old Testament. Look at it. It says in verse 27, the beginning with Moses and the prophets, he, Jesus, interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Listen, you cannot know God apart from the revelation of the Bible. You can't know God apart from God's Word. You might say, well, I know somebody who, who got, came to know Christ, and, and, and there was no Bible involved. Well, I guarantee you, whoever introduced him to Christ or told them about Jesus, or at some point they heard the Word of God, because there is no one that comes to Jesus apart from the revelation of God's Word. Scripture is involved some way, somehow. The Word of God. He preached to them the scriptures. That's why I love the Gideon ministry. I love it. I love supporting the Gideons. I love the fact that when, when I'm able to, to do something, to get Bibles out to, to the jails and to the, and, and, to the, um, and to the hospitals and the hotel rooms, I just love the fact that that ministry is all about putting the seed of the Word of God somewhere where oftentimes hurting, discouraged people are. Amen. That's why for almost 30 years now, nobody's ever stood up in this pulpit and said, all right, open your uh, books. I read a good book this week. I tell you what, I left my, this is a really good book. I just thought you guys might want to hear some really cool things out of a book that I read. That's pretty cool. We'll get back to the Bible later. At that moment, it's time to exit the building. Amen. For 30 years, no one has ever stood up in this pulpit and said anything other than this, open your Bibles. That's how people come to Christ is when the Scriptures are opened and we begin to teach the Word of God and and so many have come to know Christ in these 30 years. That's why Lauren, I mean, Eleni, Friday night, she heard the Scriptures. I love the fact that we're saturating the services with Scripture. We start with the Word. And today we're going to end with the Word because it's the Word of God. It's the revelation of the Bible that brings us to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Number three, and in conclusion... Jesus Christ comes to us by invitation. 
and by invitation only. Look, if you would, at Luke 24 again. It says here, so they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he would have gone farther. So Jesus begins to walk in a different direction away from them, and they say under their own free will. They say, hey, wait a minute. Stay with us. Jesus, we invite you to stay with us. Jesus, would you please accept our invitation? Behold, Jesus does stand at the door. Jesus loves you, but he's not a bully. Jesus doesn't force you to make any decision. This morning, Gospelite is not here. In fact, one of the things I've learned over these years of ministry is that it's not my job to convict you. It's not my job to create some kind of environment where you feel guilty if you don't come to Christ. Man, I've been there. Can I confess to you? I think I've actually done that a few times, and I, I confess that that was wrong. Listen, whether or not I'm able to preach a message that woos the audience or where folks say when they leave, man, that was great. That's not the goal this morning. The goal is to lift up Jesus, to open up the Word of God, and knowing the Holy Spirit of God is working in our audience to draw people to himself. Because the Bible says that Jesus died and was lifted up that he might draw all men to himself. All men. And yes, Jesus, through Erica Pacey, is inviting you to accept Jesus. But I want to tell you something. More importantly, you have to invite him into your life. Because that's how, that's how Jesus Christ comes to us. He opens up his arms. He welcomes us to come if we will simply invite him in. And just as Jesus Christ or just as these men, rather, invited Jesus into their lives, we too can invite him into our lives. And how do I know that's true? Well, I know it's true because Jesus died, he was buried, he rose again, and like Butch says, he lives in me. I know it's true. I'm a testimony of the fact that Jesus Christ is alive because he's alive in me. He's changed my life. And if you're here this morning and you've never had that kind of encounter with Christ where you have invited him in to be your Lord, to be your Savior, he meets you right now where you're at. He wants to save you right now. In fact, at the end of the service, we're going we're gonna to have some men during the response time. Brother Jeremy will be here with me and might have one or two others. Just, just available, ready. If you want to come this morning, I, I tell you, this is my testimony was I came forward. I, I'll just be honest. I, I know it's, it's not what everybody does, but it's, it's what I did. I just couldn't wait. I mean, I knew, hey, could you move your leg? I need to get, I, I, I was ready. Stacy was ready. Maybe you're ready. Maybe that's you. Maybe this morning as we give this response opportunity, you would feel led just to come forward in this invitation. We invite you to come. Would you invite Jesus into your heart? Maybe where you're seated or just in a moment when you're worshiping or when we're worshiping, you can take a moment just to cry out to Christ and confess your sins and ask him to be your Lord and Savior. He wants to save you today. And if you are saved, but you've been away from church, you know, I always get concerned on these days for people who, who maybe are Christians, but in essence, it's, it's just kind of a Sunday, a Christmas Easter thing. And I'm always concerned do they have a genuine relationship with Christ? 
Do they need to be saved or do they need to just come back home and get things right? I'm not sure where you're at on that, but I ask you to ask yourself the question, I have faith, but do I have works? Not works to be saved, but does my faith, is it evidenced by my works, by my actions? You're not saved by that, but when you are saved, there is going to be the evidence of your salvation in the way we live. We're not sinless. We make mistakes, but thank God we have an advocate with the Father, and he forgives us, and we can get back up and serve him with all of our hearts. Amen? And so this morning, whatever decision you need to make, whatever that looks like, I believe we've talked to everybody this morning in the building, in the balcony. Everybody this morning can apply this story to their lives. Jesus is meeting you right where you're at today. Would you respond as he is calling you to respond? As he draws near to you, would you draw near to him? Don't let him walk away. Don't let him walk away. Stay with us. Jesus, stay with me. You need to be saved today. Be saved. Let's pray, shall we? Father, thank you so much for everything that you're doing and have done in these last 72 hours, beginning Friday night. And then even yesterday, as we had a chance to reflect and, and to pray and to invite folks to come to church, and many are here today. May we respond. May our hearts burn within us. Father, if there's someone here today who's experiencing that kind of heartburn, it's not the kind of heartburn that, that, that it affects our health. It's the kind of heartburn that affects our eternity. Oh, God, may we recognize that as the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And may we respond as you revealed yourself to us today through your word. And on this great Resurrection Sunday, may you resurrect someone who is dead to be alive in Christ this morning. God, we pray that. And we pray it in the strong name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Shall we stand? Let's sing and respond as God would have us to.